0: We are in the last week of a series called God's Story, and what we're doing in the series is talking really about our testimony. It's the, it's the story of who God is and what he's done. It's the creator who made all things. It's man who fell, who was deceived, who rebelled against God, and it's God loving the world so much that he gave us son Jesus to die for us, what we just sang about, to wash us clean to raise again on the third day, right, that's amazing. Jesus comes back to life, he, he appears to 500 others, he ascends to the Father, and he says, hey, I'm coming back again. And there's this, this passage in Acts that we talked about last week where, uh, Jesus, who's risen, he hasn't ascended yet. He tells his disciples before he shoots off into the sky, right? He says, you will receive power when the Holy Spirit has come upon you and you will be my witnesses. Meaning you will be people who will, te- who will testify. You will tell the story of God, and so in this time on planet Earth, our calling as disciples of Jesus is to be people of the story, people who tell the story, and I wanna talk about specifically stewarding the story. I was really torn this week, because part of me just wants to tell you all the God stories, like all the hand of God moments in my life over the years, and there have been a number of them that I would love to share with you, I'm going to do a little bit of that, and then we're going to look at John chapter 4, okay? So if you have a copy of scriptures and want to start turning to John 4, that's where where we're going to land with the woman at the well. But I I want to tell you a couple stories. Is that that okay with you this morning? Some hand of God moments, some some of my God stories. Um, It was the summer of 2000. That was a long time ago. I know some of you were like, I was... I was two years old. Or some of you weren't even born yet, okay? Summer of 2000, I'm floating on a cruise ship. Oh, and have y'all been on a cruise before? It, have, it, you've been there? Okay. It's amazing, right? Beautiful. There's music everywhere and food everywhere 24-7. There's dancing. There's casinos. There's shows. There's, you know, extravagant meals and pools and just all the stuff. And of course, uh, you know, it can be a bit distracting. And I just had um, a hunger in my heart to meet with God as I'm on this vacation with my family. And so uh, I find a booth in a cafe and I just, you know, I've got my Bible and I've got my journal and I am about to start my second senior year of college. Okay, now I, I know some of you were on the five year plan. I, it's not that I was a bad student. Uh, it was that my, uh, my major required more hours and I did not believe in summer school. I thought, sacrilege, we do not go to summer school. Okay, right? Because who wants to go to school in the summer, right? You, you're, you're gonna work for the rest of your life. Enjoy the summer's off. So, um, I'm getting ready to you know, finish college and I'm beginning to think about what's next. And so I'm sitting there and I'm reading scripture and I'm praying and I begin to journal a prayer and I begin to dream with God, like of what would be next in my life and I had, I had a desire to, to own and operate a recording studio. It's what I wanted to do. I wanted to build one from the ground up, and so I start writing in my journal, God, this is what, this is what I'm praying for, and, and I'm praying for this recording studio, and it's gonna be state of the art, and, and it, it needs to have this and that and this and that, and I, I do the whole list, okay? And at the end, I write this. I'll never be able to afford it, so if it happens, I'll know it was from you. Well, that year, my father was uh, entangled in a copyright battle. My dad's an architect, and he draws houses for national home builders, and apparently a home builder had seen a plan that he liked of my dad's, and he took it to his architect and said, hey, redraw this plan, put our name on it, we're gonna build this house, or maybe it was a couple houses. And so they build these houses all over the US, which is highly illegal, by the way, okay? That's copyright infringement. So my dad is in court, and it keeps getting appealed finally to a federal level and he is actually in washington dc during 9-11 where they're flying the planes down uh, you know the terrorists are flying the plane towards the pentagon he was actually there during that time scary time and he's in court and he he wins the court case and he comes back and he doesn't buy a new car doesn't buy a new house, doesn't buy a second house. He comes back and he, he surprises me and he says, son, I want to build you a recording studio. Now, he didn't know about the journal. He didn't know about the prayer. He, he knew that it was something that I loved, but he didn't know about that part. And we did. We, we built an amazing recording, recording studio, state-of-the-art on six acres in Wimberley, Texas. It was Phenomenal. And I learned something about the Father. The the things that I knew about God connected with my heart in a different way because I experienced it. Does that make sense? And what I saw is that God truly is the giver of dreams and callings. He's the God who owns the cattle on a thousand hills. He's the God who provides. And he's the God who hears Our prayers in the middle of the ocean on a cruise ship. So a few years into being a recording engineer, I have the biggest session of my career. I mean, it's going to be a nationally known band is coming in. They're bringing in lots of people and there's, you know, stuff everywhere, instruments everywhere, and on that day, I am I'm so excited, and I am killing it, okay? I don't know if you've ever felt that way in your work. You're just like, I'm doing so good right now. And, and we're just running around setting up microphones and cables, and, and you know, we've got drums and bass and violin and, and banjo, and just like stuff everywhere, right? And, and I am, everything sounds amazing. I mean, this is really, really good. And I'm, I'm pumped, it's like we're getting close to the time where we're gonna start cutting the songs, and The producer comes to me and he says, hey, where's your copier? I need to make copies of the music. And I had this freak out moment inside of my heart because I don't have a copier. And I'm like, do studios normally have copiers? Oh my gosh, like I'm, you know, and I have all those feelings inside. inside, And so I I begin to, I find a computer and I hook up a flatbed scanner and a printer and like that's out of ink and the drivers aren't working and I live out in the middle of nowhere. And it's like, there's no way for me to fix the problem. And so I come back to him and I'm just like, man, I'm so, so sorry. I don't have a copier You're just gonna have to do it the old-fashioned way, and so I kinda hang my head low. It's gonna take them some time to do that, and so I walk out of the studio, and I'm gonna head to the house to get some food, and when I open the door of the recording studio, there's a massive box on the porch. It's a copier. I'm serious. Like, serious. It's a copier, and I'm like, where did this come from? Who's paying for this, right? And on the side, it has the name of my, my, my internet and phone company. And I called, and I'm like, what is, what is this? And they said, well, apparently you agreed to receive a copier um, on some sort of call, and it's going to cost you $14 a month. And I said, praise God, I'll keep it. And I walk, I carry it inside the recording studio, and, you know, of course, there's people everywhere. They all gather around. And I said, you're never going to believe what was on my patio, It's a brand new copier. And the producer looks at me in front of all the people, and I don't, this is not a Christian band, so I don't know where they are with the Lord. And he looks at me and he says, you must have favor with God. There was no journal entry a year before saying, Lord, please send a copier on this, (laughs) right? But the Lord was showing me again, he's the God who provides. Because he's the God who owns everything. He owns the cattle on a thousand hills. The silver and the gold are mine, declares the Lord. The earth and all of its inhabitants belong to me. He is the God who owns it all. And if he owns it all, you know what that makes us? Stewards. I wanna talk about what does it mean for us to steward the story. A steward is somebody who, uh, who manages, invests, and distributes what, what has been entrusted to them by the owner. And you probably know this, but you might own a house, or you might own a car, you might have, you know, possessions, but you know that you're just a steward of those things. Like, God actually owns everything that we have, and we always think about stewardship in terms of our finances and our material possessions, There's a a famous parable called the parable of the talents. Y'all know the parable of the talents? And a talent is not like America's Got Talent. It's a a unit of money. And uh, Jesus tells a story to illustrate a point. And he says that uh, a master is going away on a long journey and he entrusts some things to three of his servants. To one, he gives five talents, to one, two, and to another, one. And so he, uh, he comes back after a very long time talking about his second coming, right? That's what he's telling them. Look, it's going to be a long time before I come back. When I come back, he, he settles accounts with them. And to the one who gave five, he earned five more. And he says, well done, good and faithful servant. You've been, you've been faithful with a little. I will put you in charge of much. Come and enter your master's joy. But then there's the other one that has two and he's done the same thing and it's, again, it's like, well done. But there was the last one who had one and he said, I knew you were a harsh man. He, he, he kind of accuses the character of the master and he buries the talent. Of course, you probably know he says, you wicked and lazy servant, and he has him cast out. And the point is this, there's no reward for burying what God has given to you. There's no return for that. There's no reward. God wants us to steward the things that he's given to us. And I want you to know that he's entrusted a testimony to you. You have a story of how God has come into your life and revealed himself to you. If you're a follower of Jesus, you have that story. There was a point where the, where the facts of Christianity begin to actually connect to your heart and it's like your eyes are open, right? Your heart comes alive and you know this is for real. And that's your testimony. And we need to be people who steward it. So what will we do with our story, how will we steward it? I want us to look at the woman at the well together. If you go to John chapter four, I wanna start in verse 27, and I'll just catch you up for for where we're at in the story right now. So Jesus has cut through Samaria, and most of the holy Jews did not go through Samaria, and you probably know there's a whole background of Samaritans and Jews, and they did not mix, and Jesus is crossing the lines of of ethnic and, and cultural barriers. For the sake of the kingdom it's a beautiful thing about jesus he comes to a town called sychar and there's a well outside of that town called jacob's well and it's the middle of the day the disciples go into town to get some food for jesus and this woman comes out in the heat of the day probably because she's avoiding everyone but jesus jesus has picked a moment divinely appointed moment Where he's going to take the truths that she knows, the facts that she knows, and he's gonna connect it to her heart. He begins to ask her for a drink, he begins to talk to her about living water and thirst. He, he says, go call your husband. She goes, I have no husband. He goes, oh yeah, I know. And he reads her mail and talks about the five husbands and the other guy that she's with now, right? If you know the story. And uh, she goes back and forth about the right place to worship and he says the true worshipers will worship the Father in spirit and truth, right? They have this whole conversation. And then we get to this moment right here in verse 27. It says, just then his disciples arrived and they were amazed that he was talking with a woman. Yet no one said, what do you want? Or why are you talking with her? Then the woman left her water jar and went into town and told the people, come and see a man who told me everything I ever did. Could this be the Messiah? They left the town and made their way to him. In the meantime, the disciples kept urging him, Rabbi, eat something. But he said, I have food to eat that you don't know about. The disciples said to one another, could someone have brought him something to eat? My food is to do the will of him who sent me and to finish his work, Jesus told them. Don't you say there are still four more months and then comes the harvest? Listen to what I'm telling you. Open your eyes and look at the fields because they are ready for harvest. The reaper is already receiving pay and gathering fruit for eternal life so that the sower and reaper can rejoice together. For in this case, the saying is true. One sows and another reaps. I sent you to reap what you didn't labor for. Others have labored and you've benefited from their labor. Now many Samaritans from that town believed in him because of what the woman said when she testified, he told me everything I ever did. Verse 40, so when the Samaritans came to him, they asked him to stay with them and he stayed there two days. Many more believed because of what he said. And they told the woman, we no longer believe because of what you said, since we have heard for ourselves and know that this really is the savior of the world. This is the word of the Lord. So here we have this woman who has a new God story, a brand new God story. And I want us to learn some things about stewarding the story from what she does in in this moment. And the the first thing is from this first, uh, I think it's verse 28, the woman leaves the water jar. Now, how many of you walk into a room and you say to yourself, why did I come in here? Y'all, y'all do that, right? I do that all the time. I don't know if it's like having three kids whatever, but it's like on a regular basis, I walk into a room and I'm like, what, am, what did I come here for, right? So it's kind of like where this woman's at, right? She comes to the well to get water. She encounters Jesus and it's like, leave the water jar and like something, like it's this immediate shift in her priorities. And the first thing I think we can learn about stewarding is that good stewards learn to recognize what is urgent in what is not I'll say it again good stewards learn to recognize what is urgent and what is not there's there's a shift in priority we see this in Jesus his his meal time right there's a shift in urgency and priority the disciples come back with the food and of course it's been a long journey and jesus has to be starving but he says no no no! you don't understand there's something that's happening here that's so much better than me eating like there's there's a meal that you don't even know about i'm seeing god's kingdom work be done. There's, there's a shift of urgency taking place. He, he quotes a saying that was very common for them. And he says, don't you say there are still four more months and then the harvest comes? And what that saying meant to them was, what's the rush? Slow down. No hurry. Right? You're just waiting for the harvest. Four more months. No urgency. And he says, no, no. I'm telling you, this is is the harvest time. Now, I'm not a farmer, but I know when it's harvest time, it's go time. You don't wait another month when it's harvest time, right? He's saying, look, there's a shift in urgency right now. You need to see that there's something happening that we have to prioritize in this moment. And as stewards of the story, of the testimony that God has given us, we need to know that your story is urgently needed. There are people in your life that need to hear what God has done in you. They also need to hear from your lips the story of Jesus, the Gospel. Your story is urgently needed and as people who live in a world that is not urgent about the things of God, there are going to be decisions that we have to make about priorities in our life. What is urgent and what is not? And there are gonna be things that everyone else does that you may not be able to do because the Spirit of God is, is, is shifting your priority and your urgency in your life. I was thinking this week, how in every great move of God, the Lord has, has, has moved upon people who had a shift of kingdom urgency. John Wimber tells the story of the Vineyard Church movement that, that was birthed and it was during the Jesus movement which was a powerful revival in our country. And uh, it was started by uh, some people that were fed up with dead end religion. They, they, they were sick of seeing the youth walk away from God and walk away from church and destroy themselves, and, and they were so fed up that they just started praying in their house. A man and his wife started praying in their house, and they begin to invite other people. and And, and John he, he talks about walking into this house, and um, there's uh, you know there's there's a guy kneeling by the window, and the window's cracked, and he's praying and looking into the window. There's there's people praying. Next to the toilet in the bathroom. There's, there's people, literally, there's no place for him to step because people have found wherever they can find in this house and they're just praying and then they would randomly break out in spontaneous choruses of songs, right? Because they were just, there's an urgency in them of like, this has to change. Something has to change. And now this movement has spread all over the globe. I was thinking of John Wesley, who in, uh, in Britain, where every fifth house had been turned into like some makeshift bar, because poverty and addiction and sexual immorality had just decimated the culture. And in this place, there's a shift of urgency in him, and he has this vision to spread scriptural holiness across the land. Every great move of God has been birthed by people who had a shift of urgency, and we are primed up for the next great move of God. And I just believe the scriptures when it says, The eyes of the Lord are roaming throughout the earth to see whose hearts are fully committed to Him. Like He's looking for people who have a kingdom urgency. And if we're gonna be stewards of what He's given to us, what He's entrusted to us, we have to learn what is urgent. What is not? Second thing, good stewards invest their God stories for God-sized returns. I'll tell you why I say that from the scripture. This woman tells a very simple story. It's the only story she's got, which was, I met a man today and he told me everything I ever did. That's all she has. That's my story. I met this guy, Jesus, and he told me everything I've ever did. You know the five husband thing? The the, the stuff that you guys whisper about me when I'm not around? The reason I've been avoiding you? <laughs> he knew about that. And I've never felt more loved in my life. And there's this this change from a woman who's avoiding everyone in the middle of the day to now going and telling everyone in the town this simple story and it's amazing what happens it says that many believed because the woman said he told me everything i ever did like that, that's all it took was a simple story and, and then they come out and they meet Jesus for, himself, for themselves and many more believe because of what he said. It's like revival hits Sikar. From a simple story, he knew, he knew everything about me and I've never felt more loved in my life. Even the simplest God story has the seeds of revival in it even the simplest God's story. Our God story is, is, is like a, a bridge. It's a bridge that other people are gonna walk on and they're going to experience God for themselves. And I love Jesus. I love His, you know, his person, like we, we can read between the lines. He doesn't just expose her sin. It, it, it's like there's, there's this exposing of the sin and the junk and then at the same moment she feels so incredibly loved. She feels the mercy. She feels the grace of God that it's just, it's just this immediate change in her to, to tell the story. I love it because it reminds us that There's nobody Jesus can't reach. Here's a woman who literally, an hour before, was the talk of the town as basically a a harlot. And she's now Jesus' greatest witness. Isn't that amazing? There's no one God can't use. There's no story too insignificant. There's no one he can't reach. There's no community that Jesus cannot revive. But as stewards, we have to invest the story to see the God-sized returns. We have to invest the story. The third thing, the greatest return is when one more person gets a God story of their own. The people give her the highest compliment that you could ever receive as someone who wants to tell people about Jesus. Here's the highest compliment. I don't believe anymore because of what you told me. I believe because I've seen him for myself. That's the highest compliment that anyone could ever tell you. I no longer believe because of what you said. We've heard him for ourselves. He truly is the savior of the world. They have a story now. And it probably sounded like this. There's a sketchy lady in our town that we kind of all know is like wacko. And then one day she comes to us and she starts talking to us about a guy that she met at a well, some guy named Jesus. And like apparently he told her everything that she'd ever did. And we were just kind of intrigued. I don't know, there's something about it compelled us. And so we went out to the well and we met Jesus and I saw him and his words were so true and so powerful and it's like he just pierced through my soul and I've never felt more loved in my life. A new story emerges for every person in that town who heard her story. They've got a story of their own now Her story was the bridge that they walked on to experience the God of the story for themselves. It just helps us to know that stories beget stories. Testimonies beget testimonies. And the greatest return is when one more person gets a God story of their own. Um, So in the recording studio days, um, we had an interesting client. So the producer that I told you about that said, you must have favor of God, became one of our best clients. And he kept coming back to the studio and he'd bring you know, people from all over the US that would contact him. And so we had a guy in, he was from Seattle. He was a tugboat captain and he had a deep Johnny Cash kind of sound, right? He had that you know really cool kind of sound and uh, so he had come all the way across the country to come work at our studio in, in San Marcus, and uh, he would show up late, and when I say late, I mean four hours late every single day, and recording sessions don't start at 8 a.m., okay? They start, like, at 11 a.m., so this is not, like, hard to get to, but he would show up at 3 p.m., and we're like, what is going on? This guy, apparently, we learned later, had a pretty terrible cocaine habit, And he sang a song that this producer produced called The Little Country Church. And it was uh, one of those country songs, you you guys probably know what I'm talking about, the country song about the church and the man upstairs, right? And we wouldn't call it a theological masterpiece, okay? Let's just be honest, right? It's, It's gonna have some God stuff in there, but it's not, you know, it's not like what we just sing, okay? And this doesn't fit in the box for, like, how we think God works. But as this producer is working with the artist on this song called The Little Country Church, he's singing the vocals, you know, multiple times uh, as he's recording it. And, And the lyrics keep, you know, he keeps just listening to the lyrics. And this producer is just, like, overwhelmed by the Spirit of God. I don't know how to explain it. He has to leave the studio. He goes out into our parking lot and he hits his knees and just begins to pray in our parking lot. Again, that doesn't fit. Tugboat captain, cocaine addict, sings a song about a church, not a theological masterpiece. Holy Spirit moves. And one more person has a God story. As, um, as a studio owner, we just wanted to do good work and we wanted to be stewards of what God was doing in us. Just telling our clients about who we were and what we were about. And God used that. And I think what we see in this story, and this is really the application, if I could just put a sharpened point on this, it's this. Don't bury your story, steward your story. We have to invest it. There's no reward for burying what God has given to you. You might think your story is the most simple, boring thing in the world. Your story's like, I don't know, my parents took me to church when I was a young kid, and one day I just realized Jesus was savior and I didn't wanna go to hell and I, I wanted to follow him. It's what, I, it's what I decided. And you're like, that's the dumbest story ever. And I, I want to tell you, that is not the dumbest story ever in Jesus' name. You need to steward whatever testimony you have in whatever way that God has shown up in your life throughout the years and revealed himself and taken the truth that you know and brought it to bear into your actual experience. You need to tell that story. Don't bury it. Invest it. Tell it. Tell it humbly tell it lovingly tell it winsomely tell it wisely tell it faithfully but tell it invest the story that god has given you you um you you might need an opportunity to rehearse that story you might need a place where you could be like, ah, oh, yeah, you know, I remember when God did this or God showed me that. And you know, our house churches are an amazing place for us to actually tell stories to one another about what God has done in our lives, and we can just ooh and awe over the wonder of God together. But tell your story. And that's our challenge as we head into summer. May it be a summer of stories. May we be faithful stewards who recognize the urgency, who invest our God stories and who see God-sized returns and who see other people get a story of their own. Thanks for listening to this episode of the Renaissance Church Sermon Podcast. To contact us or find out more information, visit rin churchorg